Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Camp Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren McMillan. And today we have an incredible, inspiring conversation with Scott Taylor, who has created a program called Some Camp. And you'll learn more about that in a second. But what this conversation dives into is really this intersection that we hear a lot about, which is how summer camp can help stem summer learning loss, how we can keep our kids engaged all summer long and support their academic efforts and their successes once they go back to school in the fall. In addition, this conversation looks at camp school partnerships and making camp programming available to kids everywhere. I love this conversation. You're going to love it too. So let's get right into it. Scott Taylor is a professor of mathematics at Colby College in Waterville, Maine. He does research in geometric topology and teaches across the undergraduate curriculum. He works closely with the Waterville Public Schools to promote and support mathematics and was awarded the 2019 Waterville Board of Education Community Award for his efforts. Scott, welcome to the Campwire podcast. Thanks so much. So obviously people just learned a lot about you and your bio, which is incredibly impressive and has some words in there that I do not understand, but (laughs) impressive nonetheless. Um, But beyond that, Tell us a bit about yourself. How long have you worked in academics? What drew you to mathematics? Tell us a bit more about how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I've been in uh, academia for most of my adult life, but I've been here at Colby College for the past 15 years. And I first got interested in math, actually, when I took calculus as a high school student and discovered that math was about ideas, not just sort Mm -hmm. of moving symbols around. That's an interesting take on it. And I think that probably plays well into what um, we're really here to talk about today. And that is your innovative summer camp experience, Some Camp. Will you share the story of Some Camp's origins? Sure. So it goes back, I, I think the start was really a couple of years before Some Camp came into existence as my um, older son entered into the public school system. And I became aware of just the tremendous need that children in our community have for um, for mathematical growth. Um, the you know my my children you know growing up in a, a family with a mathematician maybe not surprisingly are uh, fine with math they love math it makes sense to them but there are lots of kids who uh, don't grow up with the opportunity to engage in mathematical conversations every day and. Um, some of those kids, particularly if they're coming out of backgrounds with uh, trauma, for instance, which a lot of our, unfortunately, a lot of our kids here in uh, Waterville have, or uh, out of situations of uh, poverty or um, other kinds of uh, tough family situations, um, they can have a really hard time actually learning math. And as they age through the school system, it becomes even harder. And with um, you know, our, like many school districts, our teachers are really uh, overstretched. There are so many demands on them. And so I became uh, interested in how I could help support our, our local school system. And originally this involved just getting some college students into classrooms to help teachers out um, with math, um, maybe by engaging the kids that were really on track with math. And then the teachers could focus on kids that um, were say behind grade level or were struggling. But then um, it morphed into this idea of a camp. The The idea actually was not originally due to me. It was due to a volunteer in the school district. But with um, my connections at Colby, I was able to implement it. And uh, we recruited this really amazing group of teachers to make this camp. 
And what some camp is, is it's a month long summer date camp for uh, local public elementary school kids. It's targeted at kids who are behind grade level in math. And the idea is to use the arts, music, theater, and uh, art, um, as well as math games to help instill a basic sense of numeracy in them. Um, so the camp is a lot of fun. Even kids that don't like school math have a tremendous, uh, tremendously exciting time at camp. And they actually love doing math all day, every day for a month. This sounds incredible. I mean, growing up, I would say that math was not my strongest subject. So to have an opportunity like some camp where you incorporate all these different subjects to make it something that is really enjoyable and just uplifting and engaging and creative. I mean, that's just absolutely brilliant. And I especially love, I love the name. I love the pun that's in there, the yeah. sum of summer. That's just, I, I love everything about it. Now, did you yourself grow up with summer camp or youth program program experiences? Did you go to camp or do your kids go to any other kinds of camps? Yeah. So I, I grew up growing, uh, attending, uh, mostly I would say like sort of Christian outdoorsy kinds of camps. Um, my kids have gone to all kinds of different camps from farm camp to, uh, a local science and, uh, well, it's not that local. It's like four hours north of here, but um, uh, like a science and uh, technology and math camp, a, a STEM-oriented camp. But, I, you know, I, I, and some of our staff have also been involved in a huge range of uh, camps involved, uh, aimed at different populations. Um, I, I, there are a lot of uh, math camps, summer math camps out there, but they tend to be aimed at kids that are really gifted in math. And I mm. think one of the things that makes some camp different is we're actually... Uh, targeting kids that are, uh, don't know that they're gifted in math or uh, struggle in math. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And that's so great that you and the other people involved had these different camp experiences prior to putting this together. And it's almost just like this perfect marriage of mathematics and camp. Uh, so yeah, you talked about this a little bit, but who exactly is some camp for? Like, are there certain age groups or grades that you all kind of target for lack of a better word and why why those ages in particular like is there something about those age groups that you are working with to really help them out and to give them an enriching experience yeah absolutely so um most of our kids are entering either fourth or fifth grade and they're they're public school kids um we work with the public schools to identify kids that would benefit from the camp. Um, so although, you know, we occasionally get kids that are in a gifted and talented program or something like that, um, most of the kids aren't. Most of the kids are kids that have a hard time with school math. Um, we've had some kids going into sixth grade as well. Um, the thing with those age groups is like, if you talk to these kids um, and ask them how they feel about math, they'll almost all say that they love it. Like at, and when you ask them, what do you like about math? They'll say division, because that's often like the last thing they've learned. Um, and so they have this awareness that math is helping make sense of their world. But then if you go on and ask them questions like, how do you feel if you get a math problem wrong? They'll burst into tears mm. and you can get the sense that they are so fragile, that these are the kids who, if there's not an intervention in a year or two, will be checked out in middle school and high school. They'll have their heads on their desks. They won't be actually learning the math that's presented to them. And so our, our hope is that by giving them a different vision of what math is about, that they'll have the, and emphasizing things like growth mindset, 
that they'll have the resources they need to succeed mm-hmm. in, in later grades. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. So, okay. Thinking about like the logistics of the camp program. So I think like when I think of, and maybe other people think similarly, when we think of these academic or kind of STEM related camps, like you mentioned earlier, there are some math camps out there that are for students that are already incredibly gifted. It may be easy to assume that they require being in a classroom or having X amount of technology. What kind of technology and other resources do you all use to run some camp? Is it what we would think or is it totally different? I'm not sure what you would think, but I, you know, maybe the surprising thing is actually we are intentionally very low tech. You know, I, I think part of our attitude is kids have lots of times on their devices and mm-hmm. what they can get from a camp experience with lots of adult supervision is actually the opportunity to fully engage in, in the uh, physical and a social world around them. And I, I think in these post-COVID years, it's all the more important. Um, so, I mean, what does our camp require? We require space. You know, a lot of our games involve running around. Um, it requires um, like an art room and art supplies. Um, a lot of, and we've been decently funded up till now. So we've actually been able to pay for a lot of really good art supplies that our, our teacher is thrilled to make use of. Um, And then the other thing is it actually requires a pretty high uh, staff to student ratio um, because we don't want kids checking out of activities. We always want to have a staff member drawing them back into the activity. And so um, a lot of the expense for the camp simply comes from personnel. Okay. So is this hosted on a school campus or is this more like a camp, what we would think of as a more traditional camp setting? So we're fortunate that the Waterville Public Schools does uh, provide space for us. So um, we've been either at the uh, one of the elementary schools or at the high school, depending on what what space they give us. Um, But we try to spend a lot of time outside and the school also provides busing, which is helpful for the parents. That's really nice. That's incredible. So with that in mind, what does a typical day at some camp look like? Great. So the kids arrive about 8.30 in the morning. Uh, They're fed some breakfast, um, again, provided by the schools. And then um, they head into music. And so their day starts with uh, various kinds of vocal and physical warmups. And music is just an um, kind of uh, movement is just a really great way to help them lower their defenses, to connect with each other. And then the, the music teacher starts working in mathematical concepts into the in with the music that she's uh, doing with them. Um, after about an hour in music, um, they get a, a snack and then they split into two groups. Uh, one group goes to art and the other goes to theater. In theater, they uh, do a lot of uh, team building and growth mindset kinds of activities, uh, practicing responding to failure, um, practicing interacting with each other in productive ways. And then um, there are also activities that, the uh, theater activities that incorporate mathematics. In art, um, there's just a huge range of different kinds of art activities they do, but they're it's really thoughtfully constructed to reinforce the math that they've already been taught in the schools, um, but using uh, lots of different art supplies and uh, the kids get to really engage with the creativity of making their own art, but then thinking about the mathematics of the art that they've done. Then uh, there's a break for lunch and a little bit of uh, free play time, and then um, they go to math games. And in math games, there's 
lots and lots of running around and very active play. But um, depending on energy levels and how hot it is, uh, we also have activities that let kids just sit down with some dice and play some games. Um, there's one game that's kind of fun where they're given a math problem and they're told to solve it in as many different ways as they can. And for each way that they solve it, they get to draw themselves a flower in a bouquet. And then they give the bouquet to a friend or a teacher. That is so sweet. I love that. So aside from the obvious, which I think some camp just sounds like the best time ever. <laughs> um, what do you think makes some camp different from, say, summer school or out of school time tutoring? Like, why would a parent or a caregiver think to send their kid to some camp as opposed to just trying to keep up with um, or try to prevent summer learning loss during the summer? So I think one of the big things is no worksheets. The kids are not mm. sitting at desks doing uh, like pre-manufactured math problems. What they're okay. doing is they're generating their own work, either through play or through the art activities or in sort of in a musical context. And then they're thinking about the math that naturally arises. So like when you think about motivating people to do math, I think a lot of us tend to think in terms of, well, let's connect math to their career prospects after they graduate from high school. Mm -hmm. But that's not really what elementary kids care about. What <laughs> elementary kids care about is, am I having fun? Yeah. Does my art look beautiful? Um, what the, you know, how is this teacher interacting with me? Um, but kids are capable of talking about mathematical ideas. And so all of our different tasks, tasks are created to generate these mathematical conversations. And then fortunately we have the staff available to be able to have them with the kids. So, you know, there's a lot of running around. And, and the other thing I would say is like, we are reinforcing mathematical ideas, but we actually end up teaching some new math. So a lot of our games involve mm. giant number lines. And so the kids get this real spatial awareness of how numbers relate to each other. But when you, when you do this, you know, if you go to the wrong side of the number line, suddenly you're dealing with negative numbers, which maybe the kids haven't encountered in school yet. Or if you have like two number lines running along like the first base and third base lines of a kickball field, you're uh, doing Cartesian coordinates, which again, the kids haven't encountered yet, but they pick it up so rapidly because it's in, embedded in this context that's really natural for them. Wow. I mean, I just, I wish that I had this growing up. What inspired you to develop such innovative and creative approaches to teaching mathematics? So I think there were, it kind of came from three different directions. So one was um, uh, some reading I had been doing. So there are um, a, a mathematician named uh, Bill Thurston, uh, who's like uh, one of the preeminent uh, mathematicians in, in my area. And he has this wonderful article aimed at the mathematicians called On Proof and Progress in Mathematics, where he, and one of the things he talks about in there is like, what does it mean to actually do mathematics? And what does it mean to communicate math? And he talks about how we have all, as humans, we have all these different channels for communicating ideas to each other, uh, like arm movements, uh, tone of voice, the pacing of our voice. And that when math is collapsed onto just a written page, we lose a lot of that. And so like professional mathematicians spend a lot of time at conferences, a lot of times talking to each other in front of chalkboards because it opens up additional ways of communicating with each other. And wouldn't it be great if we could actually import some of that into uh, pre-collegiate mathematics? 
Um, the other strand that came into it was the work of uh, the math educator, Joe Bowler, who emphasizes the importance of kids developing a number sense. So when numbers just make sense for kids, when they understand how they relate to each other, it becomes much easier for them to learn new mathematics because they have um, sort of things they can attach to the new, new concepts to. And I noticed that with my own kids. My own kids grew up playing lots of board games, for instance. And if you think about board games, there's often number lines, you know, with the scoring tracks, there's dice, there's strategy, and all these things go into building mathematical capabilities. And then the third piece really came from my conversations with the woman, uh, Sarah Tadeo, that suggested the idea of some came to me. And that was the proven track record that the arts have for circumventing the effects of trauma. Mm. Um, so there's research that shows that when uh, people have experienced trauma, it can uh, work to shut down executive functioning skills. It can work down to sh work to shut down logical reasoning skills. Um, mathematics can help build those, but often um, people get to the place where they just shut shut math out. But there's this huge tradition of using arts, theater, music to help people either process their trauma or circumvent it. Um, for learning new things. And so the idea was if we can approach math education from new directions, maybe we can avoid some of the things that have caused kids to shut out math. That is super interesting and something that I wouldn't have thought about, but that absolutely makes sense. So in addition to that and thinking from like an academic perspective or social perspective, what are some of the main outcomes that you and others have seen from students who have participated in some camp, whether that's, like I said, showing up um, academically once they go back into the school year or how they interact with their peers? What, what are some of the outcomes that you all have seen? Yeah, so it's been actually really exciting. Um, we recently interviewed, so the camp ran in 2019. That was our first year. And then we had two years of hiatus. And then um, we've now run it for two more summers. And we went and interviewed the 20, a lot of the 2019 campers um, who, when they were in the camp as fourth and fifth graders, they were fourth and fifth graders, but we interviewed them when they were in middle school uh, as seventh or eighth graders. And um, nearly to a person, they spoke about the power of some camp at transforming absolutely their view of mathematics. Mm. Like they now see math everywhere in their world. Wow. Um, and they're excited to learn it. Um, but also it did things like, uh, develop confidence. So this is one of the things our kids do is put on a play at the end of the camp. Uh, it's math themed. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, the, our theater teacher, Paul and, uh, the kids actually kind of craft this play together. Okay. Um, and theater actually really helps people handle failure and it really helps people, uh, be willing to communicate and work with others and stand up and, you know, deliver lines confidently as does music. So a lot of our kids, maybe, I mean, of course they like to listen to music, but they maybe were afraid to sing um, in front of other people and the, the musical activities help them build that kind of confidence. And so, and, and, you know, entering middle school with confidence that you know how to handle yourself, you know, how to handle failure, um, you know, how to interact with people. I mean, that's a Gosh, huge win. There. That's huge. Yes. You know, we would love to see more impact on test scores, but you know, the, the truth is like, if you take kids that are 
sort of at the very bottom academically, and you help them improve, say, 50%, their test scores still probably aren't where everybody still wants them to be. So sure. it's something we're continually thinking about is, can we actually translate the work we're doing into things that test scores will recognize? But in the meantime, we are just thrilled with the response that we get from the students and their parents who, who notice a, an impact. Absolutely. I mean, in everything you just mentioned from the confidence building to some of those softer skills that are harder to teach in an academic setting. I mean, that is just, that is, that is incredible. So, wow. I'm, I'm so excited for you. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so much fun too. So with that in mind, how has all that feedback and those outcomes, how has that shaped what some camp looks like since it's first running in 2019? And how are you using those indicators to to think about and to plan what some camp will look like moving forward? Yeah. So one of the big pieces is the conversations that we as staff have. So our staff, um, as you probably gathered, are not necessarily mathematically trained themselves, um, but they're super creative people. They have lots of interesting ideas. And so one of the things we've done is learned to provide space for training. And it seems like we always need more and more training on how to actually have math conversations. So that's something we continue to work on is how do we train people that um, maybe don't have an undergraduate degree in math to actually talk with kids about mathematics. That's something we continue to work on. But then um, the conversations that happen between the teachers are so fun and exciting because like our music teacher will say, I'm working with uh, teaching kids rhythm and connecting it to fractions. Um, and the art teacher says, well, you know, I'm making this kind of uh, tree. We're exploring trees and how branching works. And you know what? The, the kind of the branching of like uh, uh, rhythmic values for notes ends up looking very similar to the kinds of trees that the art teacher was drawing. And so forging those connections and then, you know, between mm -hmm. music and theater, the kind of, um, there are a lot of reinforcements there and then thinking about how those can be exhibited in the math games as well. So where things end up getting really exciting is when the teachers and the staff are talking to each other. And we also discuss the kids like, okay, this particular child's having a hard time with this kind of activity. How can we help support them? Or these two kids end up getting into fights with each other. How can we help them develop some conflict resolution skills? Well, it's just a lot, a lot of uh, self-reflection. Yes, definitely. Going back just a second, I would like to talk about, I guess, first and foremost, the the way that you all kind of structure these partnerships with the local schools is something yeah. that that ACA is focusing on a lot recently is this idea of camp school partnerships. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, making summer camp experiences more readily available to kids and teens who might not otherwise have the opportunity to go to summer camp or to have a similar experience. What did that look like for you all in creating some camp? Whether that was having those initial conversations with the public school system to, um, I guess, making the decisions around what those partnerships would look like. What can you share with us about that process? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that we're really fortunate of here is that uh, my community is relatively small and the school district is relatively small. So a lot just happens kind of on the on the personal level and mm -hmm. forging those connections. Um, but it all comes down to trust. So the the school district, the teachers, the math specialists, they have to know that we are there to support them. 
and we're not there to undermine them. And I, you know, I think, you know, the fact that we have teachers from the school district working as part of as camp staff helps. Um, the fact that I've been having these conversations for many years helps. Um, the school, you know, like all school district, all public school districts, um, budgets are a constant worry. And mm -hmm. so doing whatever we can to not impose on the school district um, has been really helpful. And I'm fortunate that um, uh, today Colby College has been able to support um, a lot of the work that we've done. Um, but, you know, going forward, I think looking for ways to make the camp sustainable in terms of funding is really important. The camp is free for the kids, um, which I think is also really important for this yes. the demographic we're trying to reach. Um, the school district uses Title I funds from the federal government to uh, provide the, the busing and the lunch. And then I think they're just really convinced that it's worth supporting us because they'll see the payout when the kids uh, come back to the classroom. Absolutely. So what is your favorite part of some camp? There are so many. Um, <laughs> right. But I mean, I, I would say probably my most favorite part is simply having the math conversations with the kids, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. listening to these kids think and reason to make guesses about what the right answer will be, realize it's wrong and go back and revise to try and get the right answer to, to see them, uh, their world open up to see how math helps make sense of the world that they care about. Um, I love working with the teachers because there's so much creativity that goes on when teachers are given a lot of free reign in terms of designing the activities and the collaboration with each other. You know, I have my favorite activities I like to see. So, I mean, the play and the musical performance at the end of camp is just brilliant. It's so much fun to see because you can see it from day one to the final day, how much progress has been made. Um, for art activities, um, one of my favorites is there's this activity based around the artist, the work of the artist Alma Thomas, who was a mid 20th century artist who used um, like little scraps of color to make almost kind of mosaic kinds of things. And so okay. the kids use little scraps of color, construction paper to make their own designs, but then they have to go through and like count how many blue pieces did I use and how many red pieces did I use? And then we get to talk about proportion, like what proportion of my design is blue? What proportion of your design is blue? And, you know, the fractions that you come up with when you do this are so crazy. Like it's nothing a third or fourth grade teacher would ever actually give to a student as a problem, but it arises in a very natural context. So then we can talk about like estimating. Well, is it about 40%? Is it about 30%? So I, I love that activity. Um, there are lots of activities involving number lines with the math games. There's this really crazy game called Super Mega Quaqua Ball, which involves like- <laughs> Okay, what? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a crazy name. It's like Super Mega Quaqua Ball. Um, and it's sort of a version of kickball, okay. <laughs> sort of. But it involves like throwing all these things out into the kickball field. And then the fielders have to- um, there are two fielders assigned to each object and they run out to the baselines where we have giant number lines spread out and they read off the coordinates for where the object landed and they go report it to the statistician that we have uh, sitting on the sidelines. So, and then the, the base runners do really crazy things as they have to run the bases. Um, 
And then the we take actually all the data that's generated from this and we put it into like an Excel spreadsheet and then we plot it so that the kids can make the connection between like this very embodied physical thing that they were doing and the abstract representation of it um, coming from the data and the graphs. And we can talk about like, you know, it looks like the football or the soccer ball, like generally always ended up on the, like the left side of the field. Why is that? Well, most of the kids are right-footed when they kick um, and, you know, things like that. So it generates really fun discussions and it's just totally nutso with all these kids running around and all the <laughs> But that sounds like so much fun. And I just, I absolutely love how you all are taking like what we would think of, or I don't know, maybe I'm just the only one thinking of it, but like in school, how we have like different subjects and it seems like every subject is just kind of in its own world. And then they study the subjects and then they leave school and they go out into the world and that's that. But I just, I think it is so awesome how you all are blending and finding the overlaps of these subjects and these different topics and how seamlessly you're applying it to these kids' lives and thinking of like outside the classroom. And I just, it just sounds so transformative. And it, to me, just hearing it, I'm like, this makes me so excited to like, now I'm going to go look at art and be like, what kind of fractions are here? Like, yeah. how can we think differently about it? But what an awesome way to kind of reinvigorate kids' interest in learning and to develop a love of learning and to make it a lifelong thing. I just, it's just, this is incredible. I think every school should be doing this. One of the yeah. things I want to emphasize there too, is that we really are building on the work that the classroom teachers have done. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's about embodying the math that they've already learned. Um, yeah. You know, I would love to see more creativity in school instruction, but there are classroom constraints that we simply don't have. Sure. In summer camp. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So if, Educators and youth professionals might be interested in further exploring this intersection of education and summer camp programming. What advice do you have for them? Where should they start? Yeah, so I, you know, I think one of the the most important things is finding good teachers, people who love kids and are really creative and aren't afraid to actually take something they're not comfortable with, like math, and figure out how to embed it into what their passion is. I think, you know, for like STEM oriented camps, one of the lessons that we have is like, how do the activities you're doing allow for the self-expression and problem solving uh, for kids to arise naturally? Like what agency do the, do the kids actually have mm -hmm. in their activities? Um, I think that the key thing is like connecting with what kids are actually passionate about, play, art, their social setting. Um, it's not just about career prep. It's actually about um, giving them fuller experiences as human beings. And then um, really focusing on how do you handle failure? Mm -hmm. like, because that's such a big thing in math. Like when we do math, we all make mistakes. And do we use those mistakes as the opportunity to figure out the right answer or come closer to figuring out the right answer? Or do we shut down, give up and feel bad about ourselves? And then math can be naturally worked into just about any kind of activity. Um, so it creates buy-in, like it can stress kids out. And so you need to have the gentle adults and staff there to help reintegrate the kids into the activity. And then when the kids experience that sense of success, it was just such a powerful moment for them. Yeah, absolutely. So for people who are 
already running summer camps or camp programs, what do you hope that they take away from what some camp is doing, whether that's through program design, thinking creatively about activities and schedules? What do you hope that our summer camp professional friends take away from some camp? I think, you know, one of the, you know, I think a lot of camps are already do a great job incorporating writing aspects, like mm -hmm. through journaling, uh, like in nature camps or whatever, others journaling. But you can also think about how do you incorporate mathematical aspects? Like what kinds of things can be measured? Um, what kinds of things can be counted? What kinds of shapes do we see? So that's one thing I would encourage, you know, anybody running a camp to do is like, are there ways to embed math into the activities that you're already doing? And then, you know, there are a lot of great resources out there. Um, the Montessori programs have been doing this kind of thing for a very long time. And so they have lots of resources available. Um, there are things called math circles that have lots of really kinds of creative problems. And so you can kind of reach out to a lot of existing sources and figure out how to adapt it to your setting. And when you have teachers that are invested and are creative and are well compensated and love kids, it's magic. Yes. 100%. What is next for some camp? So I would love to find more ways to create uh, teacher professional development opportunities. Mm -hmm. So um, to have teachers come work at some camp for a week or for the whole month um, and to get the professional development uh, credit for that. I would love to find ways to expand the actual training around have, how to have math conversations with kids. And, but one of the the big, the, maybe the two biggest things are how do we make the camp financially sustainable for the long term? Right now, I've cobbled together funding from a variety of different sources, and I want to figure out how to make this permanent. And then how do we promote our ideas? Because I, you know, I think the ideas that are in some camp can be appropriated by lots of different people in lots of different contexts. And it would be great to see that happen. Yes. So you already mentioned a few different resources for people to get inspired and to learn more. Where can they go to learn more about some camp? How can they connect with you to maybe keep some of these conversations and to stir up some new ideas? Where can they go? Sure. So we have a webpage, which you can find by uh, Googling some camp, Waterville, Maine. Um, uh, people can feel free to reach out to me by email. Um, if you Google my name at Colby, Colby College, you'll find my contact information. Um, we do have some promotional videos on YouTube. So I'm sure the internet search engine of your choice will find those as well. All right. All sorts of ways. And we'll be sure to put some of those links in the show notes of the podcast to make it as easy as possible. Awesome. All right, Scott, any final thoughts today? Anything um, else we didn't talk about that you wanted to yeah. share? I mean, I feel like there is so much to cover with some camp and the incredible right. work that you all are doing. So for this conversation, we might just have to have a, a, a part two, but for sure. today, anything else yeah. you'd like to share? So I think the main takeaway is just that math can be fun and creative. It can be a conversation topic between people of all ages and it can, uh, you know, anybody can develop a comfort level with math. You heard it here, folks. All right, Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such a fun and inspiring conversation. Um, and I know that, that that is exactly what our listeners are taking away um, and rethinking how, how we educate our kids, how we continue to bridge the gap between school years and summers, and just how important those two are for the education of our children and for the development of our children. So thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks so much, Lauren. 
And thank you as always for tuning in to this episode of the Campwire podcast. If you haven't done so, be sure to like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. As always, follow the American Camp Association across social media platforms at ACA Camps. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.